I'm sort of done being polite. You know what I mean? I don't totally know what you mean, but it's my natural instinct to find that amusing <laughs> and interesting. <laughs> I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, Senior Minister at Community Church of New York. I'm Jill Novensky, the Director of Religious Education. And we're coming to you from Community Church here in the heart of Manhattan in New York City. Coming from a long line of disruption. Four fires, three name changes. Two pandemics. <laughs> four times. We sold five of our buildings. Yeah, that part. We had a vote to oust the minister. We're in a rented church space. We got sued by four members. <laughs> Oh my God. We're inviting you to join us for a Sunday to Sunday rundown of how we do things here, hoping that you find out what that might look like for you. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we are showing up. <laughs> <laughs> like in that bigger question of what are we doing here is the question of like what's happening in the world like what where's the need and are we meeting it and because something that happened to me a little bit in this last week or two is feeling like I'm sort of done being polite and I feel a little done you know what I mean where it feels like I don't totally know what you mean, but it's my natural instinct to find that amusing and interesting. <laughs> well, so as a minister, like as a senior minister of a big structure and an old structure and kind of a formal structure too, right? Like it's 200 years, it's all this history. And honestly, all the other senior ministers were these really, I want to say really well-educated and probably as well-educated as they were, but but uh, formal, they were just formal people. And there's this formality to my position, a natural formality and a little bit of a natural like distance, emotional distance from people and in some way an expectation. Although frankly, as a woman, you don't get quite the same. <laughs> the expectation is a little bit different from that. But, but like the first, when I came here, like seriously, look at how I'm dressed, right? Like I'm wearing literally torn jeans. Last week I was like, well, at least my jeans aren't torn. But now I'm like, I, you know what? These are the ones that are clean. It's like, this is what I'm wearing. But, it's great. And the Crocs are my favorite. And the Crocs. I am wearing the Crocs. Yeah, I love it. I, You know, when I arrived here four years ago, four and a half years ago, there isn't a chance in hell I could, not only that I wouldn't wear it, but that other people would let me. There was no way. Like I was wearing full work clothes with heels, even if it was a Friday. Like that was all, you know. And I guess I'm feeling like the world is in a really different place right now. And there's an urgency to what's happening in the world, which is pushing me to stop trying to kind of placate and make everyone happy and be intellectual about it and be emotionally distant from it and just say what's true. Right. In some ways, I feel like John Haynes Holmes did that, but he had a, um, there was a safety in being him. <laughs> Right. And being like this very tall, smart, aristocratic white man who was saying wildly radical things, but he was in the inner power circles saying them. So he walked in with such levels of respect. And I'm feeling like I'm kind of done trying to be in that place. And instead, I'm just feeling more like I'm myself. 
and if like Israel shouldn't be invading Gaza, like I'm just saying it. I'm yeah. just I'm just saying, and I'm yeah. gonna make people mad, really, really mad about the taking sides, and um, and um, but it comes back to this question of like, what are we doing here? Why am I here? <laughs> why am I? Why does community church exist? Why is there a senior minister of this particular institution? If not to say there's something morally reprehensible about what's happening in the world, and I, there are going to be people who are mad about my saying it. For me, part of the disrupt church thing is about like speaking those kinds of truths. Yeah, I mean the whole real. process that we're talking about in the podcast, that we talked about in the workshop, that we talk about every week when we're planning what we're doing, where are we moving, what we, you know, how are we doing service differently, and all these things. I think, like inherent in those conversations is our call to speak to the issues of the day we you know which requires hard decisions but i think like if we are centering love then it isn't that we're putting a foot down about a thing and not leaving room for conversation it's that we're inviting again right questions and a more collaborative approach to you know exploring you know where's our faith in this conversation and what how does that urge us to move collectively i think there's a way that this church and i, I suspect a lot of other churches kind of find this balance between something that is morally right and allowing people their own process of getting there and not accepting things that are truly morally wrong, right? So there's like in some way, and we always say, well, Nazi can't join, right? So there's some things like, there are some lines that you would draw. And we also try to say like, this is what it looks like when love is at the center. And you may be like way out over here, but we're gonna sort of help you to come to your own sense of what it looks like and how you find yourself in it or how you, like how do we tell each other's stories and hold each other's truth kind of moving toward this world we dream about? Right. I mean, I think even when we were having a meeting the other day, we were talking about, I think it was our council and just looking at structures and systems and how things work and thinking about different ways of approaching things. The idea that you would want to inspire folks to, you know, move in different ways, maybe take a little bit more responsibility or be a bit more willing to step up to collaborate on whatever needs doing, the idea of starting with gratitude sometimes seems counterintuitive because you're thinking, oh, well, you know, like the whole thing is that it's not happening the way that, you know, we need it to happen or it's not working in the way that we'd like. So it doesn't seem immediately obvious that we'd want to come with gratitude. For me, like I always think about that. Because if we, if we increase the warmth, like I'm thinking about us keeping love at the center and folks that are sort of on the out, outer circle of that and, and not really feeling like they're ready to move in, increasing the warmth, what does that look like? So for those of us who have the capacity to keep love at the center and make these bold decisions, we have the energy. I think increasing the warmth looks like exploring different ways of cracking open conversations and communication with recognition for it's not placating it's not being inauthentic but it is recognizing that for a massive culture shift which is bringing people in to a very different way of being you know you got to reach them 
and one way to do that is to sort of think about coming from a bit of a, a warmer angle, whatever that looks like. You've got to find an authentic in. Yeah, that's the word I was just thinking when you said warmer. I thought, actually, yes, and authentic. No, it has to be authentic yeah, it has for to sure. Be real, which for me is the shift right now. Right. Of feeling like I was filling a place. I was doing a job that I think was expected and I'm shifting into more of a like just being my authentic self. You know, something that I love about New York City, to be really honest, and, and something I love specifically about community church for me that the emphasis is really on what's actually getting done, what's really yeah. happening. I mean, that's why a lot of high profile folks love it here, too, because we're less apt to care about this outer zhuzhi stuff going on. And we're more apt to be, you know. Yeah, you can just be yourself. Critiquing your latest yeah. film like, hey, right. <laughs> I don't like that job you did last right. time. You know, that kind of thing. But no, it's it's nice. And I feel like it it begs us to continue being authentic, which can be hard. And it could mean that some people stay on the outskirts forever. And that's just what it is. Like, we're not all going to land in the same place. But, I mean, increasing that warmth, for me, that feels like the job. Yeah, when I first started in ministry, I was like, it's kind of cool to have a job where I, what I do is who I am. Oh, totally. If everyone were doing what they were kind of into or felt called to, imagine how much more efficient everything would be. How much more productive everyone would oh, be. How much happier everyone would and be. And how many, yeah, how much more happiness and less war. But of course, in a capitalist society, that's not really an option. Right. Because we really just need to, like, make the money that we need to pay the rent. <laughs> because there's no social safety net that's going to make sure you're not on the street. Right. There's a whole system that prevents people from really doing what they're called to. But modeling humility is also really important. And I don't see that happening when we're all kind of posturing in a more formal way, like you were saying. We're just, I don't think we're at that time now. I think i think it speaks volumes to be not posturing in that formal way, but metaphorically really be dressing down and just getting our elbows into the grease, you know? Yeah, so maybe just in terms of the conversation around disrupting, what we're disrupting is the inauthenticity of life and moving. I mean, it's almost like the the um, process of this podcast, right? When, you, when we first started recording and it was so formal because we felt like oh my God, there's yeah. something we're supposed to be saying and how do right. we say what we are supposed to say because we made an agenda and listed topics. Right, the people are listening. Like it's so two, much three, pressure. Four times, four <laughs> times, right? Yeah. Until the last one when we were like, can we just not do that anymore? I was so glad and, when we made that choice. And not even use those yeah. because it's too boring. <laughs> And it felt inauthentic. It was totally inauthentic. And we don't do well with that. We definitely do not do well with that. But it's that same process of yeah. like, what am I supposed to do versus what do I, who am I really? Like, how do we put myself out there, right? How, not how do we do what everyone else thinks we're supposed to do or yeah. what we think everyone else thinks we're That's supposed it, to do. Because right. really when we open that? ourselves to feedback, we realize that when we are feeling good about a thing, it translates. Yeah, for sure. Right, it's cold. <laughs> yeah, it is cold. We should maybe go inside. Let's get toasty. Well, I think it'd be interesting to talk about this Sunday we just had uh, where you switched the entire liturgy. I did. I got, you know, 
I come from, like liturgically, I come from a Catholic background. Right. So I always found our liturgy a little too Protestant. Uh-huh. When I came here, I liked some of the things that felt a little more, I don't know if I want to say interactive. A little bit interactive, but a little less hymn sandwich. Less like uh-huh. you sing and you talk and you sing and you talk. A little more like we say this together or mm. we sing the thing together instead of like the doxology where everyone sings it together or the greeting your neighbor, which is like just a little movement and noise. So I've always sort of liked those parts of it. Mm-hmm. But I still was, I was feeling dead. I think I said it to you. I said it to a bunch of people, yeah. but that homecoming was deadening. Right. Hollow. I felt right. hollow. I left feeling hollow. I left feeling almost embarrassed that I was the person who did that. And there was nothing bad about it. I just felt dead. Mm-hmm. I felt like the, the room was empty and I was empty and there was nothing there, which is the exact opposite of homecoming most years. So I... I reworked it, and what I did was I bunched things. It feels much more modern. Someone said, I could never do that much music, but I realized that it's actually, I think, about the same amount of music. So it's not that it's that much music. I eliminated words. Right, no, no, at least my biggest interest in you breaking down how it went and the process to getting to last Sunday to me, follows our conversation on the stoop this morning, which relates to like how we respond to feeling a feeling of inauthenticity. Yeah. And I think, you know, first of all, bothering to recognize when something feels authentic, feels inauthentic and feels (laughs) like it's by rote and it's just sort of Mm -hmm. going through the motions anymore. It feels like that is one way that we would hold ourselves and our institutions accountable, first of all. Right. And I think... It takes us closer to some answers for how to do things differently that could respond and be more engaging and in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's tough. Like, those are difficult decisions. And I've always loved that you come in and, sh- you know, your immediate response to something that feels inauthentic is let's just switch everything. And it's, you know, there's obviously stress and transition and doing things differently, but it, it's not as much when you're very open about, let's try it. We're not saying this is going to be how it is forever. We're going to try it. We're going to dip our toes in the water. We're going to see how the congregation responds. We're going to invite feedback. It's a very open, collaborative feeling. Mm. That We're all in it together. Let's see how it worked. Okay, what worked, what didn't. Let's tweak it. Uh, But at the end of the day, if you're not feeling authentic where you are, I mean, it's none of it's going to feel authentic. I actually started on Sunday with, like, I'm only doing this once, right? We're going to change everything. We're going to do it once. Next week's going to look exactly like it did the week before. And we're just going to go back. And then we're going to just do like collect feedback and talk about it and work it out. And by the time it was over, people were like, yeah, I don't see any need to go back. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Right? right? Yeah. It just felt like, no, that's, that's what we should be doing. It felt so much more modern and conversational and... Yeah, because you know what? I, it's what I needed. I realized, like, if if I'm creating it and I hate it, <laughs> it's not working. But if I'm getting what I need, I know I'm tapping into something that people are have yeah. some need for, right? And that is what happened, because then they were like, yeah, why are we, like, let's just never do the other one again. 
Is yeah, it. it's been really helpful for me going through uh, this past couple of years. I've started developing this way of thinking that if I'm feeling a certain thing, there are millions of other people, yeah. just law of averages, mm -hmm. that are feeling the same way. Yep. So the more we are not pandering, yep. you know, um, and instead focusing, yeah, it's a shift for sure in how to do things. But I think it 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 makes everything a lot more current and relatable. Mm -hmm. But if we want, if we're saying that there's a world in desperate need out there, right? People absolutely need something, that there's tremendous pain. And then we have these opportunities to gather people together and feed them. Yeah. We have to feed them in a way that is actually nurturing. Yeah. And what we're doing right now in our churches, so much of what we're doing is having these internal fights. Even things like, like a minister changing the liturgy. Now, I mean, wow, do I have freedom. I have freedom of the pulpit. I have freedom of the liturgy. There's, even when I said I'm changing everything, nobody said, well, you can't do that. Yeah. I, like, that just doesn't happen here. Yeah. And I know a lot of churches, right, people listening to us right now, they're thinking that can never that happen. That would never, right. It right, could never right, right. happen because we have a worship committee that, who would never let that happen. Or there's the church bully right. who would never let that happen. Right. right. We spend so much of our energy on these internal fights rather than just kind of laying it out and saying, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this? Why can't we just try something, move forward, break it open, take a risk? Because the need is so much bigger than this little fight we're having. Yeah. Yeah. And all, I mean, when we talk about like churches everywhere, all denominations generally decreasing, generally all churches everywhere mm -hmm. would like to have more people coming through the doors. I mean, it's broad strokes, but that's right. more often than not, that's the case. And you know, you think about like what in church churches now, like what's that whole question? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. Doesn't get asked when everything seems to be functioning in a way that is, it's always been this way. This is how we do it. Nothing new, nothing very serious shifted because God forbid, you know, people mm -hmm. in this committee and that committee and that have been coming forever feel uncomfortable. I mean, you know, you then aren't asking the question like, you know, what, how are we not serving the people that aren't coming? I mean, you know, I mean, it's sort of that take back a step back from the canvas and really look at it. And I, I, I'm glad that we don't have that stoppage mm. here. It is a privileged place to be in that way. Yeah. But for sure, that question, what are we doing here? I mean, asking it in a way that isn't only relating to what happens inside the church walls is I think the call right now. Mm. Yeah. There's no way for the denomination to grow if we're not thinking wider than our church walls yeah. and everybody's comfort level that's inside the church. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so if we want if we want to be disruptive, if we want to change the things that aren't working, we have to be willing to be kind of radical and yeah. to root it out. That's right. And and we talk about not being hierarchical. So but if in the transformation from a more hierarchical system or structure to a more horizontal working collective. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it before. That doesn't mean that there's no organization there. That mm -hmm. doesn't mean that there isn't somebody at this point who's responsible for all these things right. and down the line. So right. that person that's going to be at the pulpit every week would be one of the first people to make some radical decisions and then, you know, pose them. Um, and it's going to take some difficult testing out but I think it's mm -hmm. so critical but I think that what you just said was important that 
what, if what we are looking for is a sort of hive experience, right? Within the hive, everyone has their role. Yeah. And there's, it doesn't, I have never yet seen it be effective where everyone does everything. That's not useful. Right. It's really useful to recognize that some people have expertise yeah. in some things. That's right. And that, or, or, and or authority for some things or responsibility for some things. Right. So let them do what they're supposed to do. Like if each person were to sort of recognize I have my thing, this is, this is my responsibility and I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to let someone else do their thing. Yeah. And then we're going to regroup together. All of us are going to sit and talk and figure out how it's working. And there's another part of that too, which is um, this sort of tyranny of the minority, right? Where a couple of people say, I don't like it. Mm. And then the majority say, well, everyone has to like it for it to change. Right. That doesn't work either. Like right. there has to be a way of saying, I'm sorry that you don't like it. And we're going to try it anyway. We're going to do it for six months. We're going to do it for a year. We're going to see if it works, if, it, if we grow, if people are feeling fed. Yeah. And recognize that not everyone comes along for everything. Right. It's a recognition of where there is blockage. Right. And not everybody can see the blockage. Right. I mean, depending on what position you're at in the church, if you're the senior minister, you're going to see blockage that a congregant who comes in every week, who experiences all the things the same way they've ever experienced them forever, is not going to see. They're right. not going to have seen that blockage. Right. So, yeah, and, and it's also we're a church, so holding space for people that are struggling with transitions, too. It's not mm -hmm. just, hey, we're here, we're going to make these changes, right. this is it, everybody just deal with it, like it or right. don't, right. get out if you don't like it. It's not that. It's right. also there is this circle over here, this is conversation right. over here, this this group, and right. we're thinking about what we can create that would hold space mm -hmm. for blah, you know. Right. It's all of that. It's both right. and. Yeah. Um, but it's not not moving forward. Right. It's recognizing the blockage and saying, let's look at the whole structure. Yeah. Flip it, try it out, get feedback. Yeah. All right. I don't know how to end these conversations, Joe. <laughs> Honestly, it's like supervision with us. And we're like, yeah. we're like on the Zoom calls and it just goes on forever because we're just still talking and laughing and then realize we have you know, work to do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Disrupt Church Podcast, hosted by Reverend Peggy Clark and Jill Novensky and produced by me, Starling Carter, for the Community Church of New York. To find out more about Community Church, visit us online at www.ccny.org. To join the Disrupt Church conversation, you can find us on Facebook and on Substack. You can find links to both of these in our show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or better yet, send it to a friend. See you next time.